I get to introduce you to our speaker this morning. Ashley Dalen is a one of our staff members. She's been... What am I? What are you? <laughs> Ashley is one of our high school pastors and has been on staff here for almost eight years. Almost eight years. April. Yeah. So eight years. Just if your kid... If, you stick around here long enough, maybe your kids will have her as a high school yeah. pastor. Oh, so. <laughs> man, yeah, 20 years from now, yeah. I'm like, this little guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, that would make him 20 in high school, so not great math. Maybe we'll do like 14 years from now. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I got to hear Ashley speak last night, and uh, I'm excited to hear again this morning what she has to share with all of us. Uh, Ashley is somebody who really listens to the spirit and gets, mm. and um, I've just been blessed as I've gotten to hear her articulate what God has given her. So I'm going to pray for her as she gets started this morning and hand it over. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to hear from Ashley. Thank you for her willingness to say yes to this in the midst of all that she has on her plate with high school. And um, I thank you for this message that you've given her that is so important for us to hear. So I pray now that your spirit would empower her and that your words would um, meet us where we, need to, where we need to hear you. So we give this time to you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Steph. Uh, like Steph said, I've been around this place for a little bit. It's been awesome. I really like Salem Alliance Church. It's been a fun place to call home for the last eight years. Um, I want to introduce you. If you'd hit that first slide for me, Amber. Um, this is my husband, Kyle. You might have seen him at um, Broadway Coffee House. He's a barista over there <clears throat> while he's finishing up his last semester of grad school. So I like to say we're in grad school, like I'm in my last semester of grad school. So um, he's awesome. He's a huge blessing to me. We've been married for so almost seven years. I always think whatever is my job, subtract one. Uh, so almost seven years we've been married. He's awesome. I forgot to introduce him last night and I went home and he was like, did you tell them about me? And I was like, I totally forgot. <laughs> Said I won't forget tomorrow um, because we have no kids, no pets. He's like really my life. So um, him and high schoolers, that's about what my life consists of. And I absolutely love my life. It's a great, it's a great life. I'm very grateful. <clears throat> but I wanted to start this morning by saying, I was reminded this week of how many voices there are in our lives as women who are telling us that we aren't measuring up, that we're disappointing someone, that we could be doing better. And as I was hearing that this week, I just thought, man, this is why we need a place like The Gathering. We need a place where we can go, where we can be filled with truth, where we can say, no, I don't receive that. Um, God says I'm enough. He sees me where I'm at. He sees what's going on, a place where I feel like we can get grace spoken over us, love spoken over us, encouragement spoken over us. Um, and just that reminder of this is a place where we remember that we need each other, <laughs> that we need to be in each other's lives because there's so many other things that are poking and prodding and critiquing. And I was like, man, I'm so grateful that we have a place like The Gathering to come and be reminded that this is where we can be heard and seen and affirmed as who we are. And so I just wanna say thank you to you guys and to leadership for making this a safe place to come and just be where we're at. Um, and so I'm just grateful for places like this for women. And so I'm so glad that you guys all choose to be a part of 
of this community. So the message, that has nothing to do with my message. The message that God put on my heart um, for today was a message of me kind of going back and looking at what has been transformational in my um, journey of faith. And uh, as you guys have been in this theme of bridging the gap, uh, the, the, the thought that came to mind was bridging the gap from solo faith to um, connected faith. From solo faith to connected faith. Up until college, I had always been in some sort of small group because that's kind of how youth ministry works. You kind of just put everyone in small groups. And a lot of that developmental age, you're processing who God is with other people. And that was awesome. I had a great community growing up. But then I left and went to college and I had no small group in my life. I didn't really have any community in my life that was a, a specifically like faith community. And so I just started like, okay, God, it's just you and me. And throughout college, I just, my relationship with just God, nobody else speaking into it, just God and I doing life just flourished. And I, and I just felt like, this is awesome. Like, God, I can trust you. I can tell you anything. Um, and you love me and you're there for me. And it was a cool season where God was walking me through some like really big um, walls that I'd put up in my life. And we were doing life together and it was fun and it was dynamic. And I was really loving this season of like, I'm just abiding in you and that's all I need. And it was really comfortable to be in that season of just kind of solo faith with God, just me and him doing our thing, living it out. And I loved it. But fast forward to the end of college and I get hired here at Salem Alliance Church and so I pack up my, my 1999 Subaru Forester, which I still drive, and uh, drove all my stuff over here and I had rented a room from somebody and showed up and moved in and realized I had actually rented their walk-in closet. <laughs> which was, I walked in, I was like, there's so many like racks to hang things in here. And then I realized this is a closet, <laughs> but that's okay, it was a big closet. And I moved into their closet and I started working here and I knew no one, I wasn't from here. Um, and so Brian Candelo and I were co-workers at the time. And Brian said, uh, like, I think you need a mentor. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't have anyone to talk to, so at least it'll be like someone to chat with. And so he asked Laura Cher, like, hey, would you mentor Ashley for just like a season? Like, don't, not committing to like this big commitment, but just for like a couple months, would you kind of take her on and encourage her and speak into her life? And Laura, like, I don't know, by the promptings, by the Holy Spirit said yes. And uh, we started meeting together monthly. And at first when I started meeting with Laura, I was like, I'm only gonna tell you like safe things. Like I'm not gonna tell you like real stuff because you didn't die on a cross for me. So I don't know if I could trust you, you know? Like I wasn't quite sure about how to do that type of faith again. I was very comfortable with just talking to Jesus and living that out. But when Laura stepped into my life, I was like, I don't know about you. And so, but I would meet with her monthly and every time she would just be so gentle. She'd always just ask me questions like, well, what do you think God would say to you about that? And I'd think in my head like, well, if I knew, I wouldn't be asking you, you know? <laughs> but she just always would give these like just little nuggets of wisdom, these little questions that would I'd go like, wow, that's a really great perspective or I wouldn't have thought of it like that. 
And each month, I began to feel these kind of layers peel away and more authentic statements and emotions began to rise to the service as I was meeting with her. And I began to look forward to my meetings with her because I started to realize that every time I would walk away from meeting with Laura, I'd feel closer to God. I'd feel like I understood God in a new way through different eyes and a different lens. And I felt like she always was reminding me of the grace that God had for me. And so I began going like, okay, God, you and I are still close. Like, we're still doing our thing. Nobody's getting into that. Um, I still had this solo faith, but I began to realize that having a connected faith, having someone who I trusted, who was listening to the Holy Spirit on my behalf and speaking that truth over me and asking me questions, Laura was painting new colors on the palette of my life. Colors that I hadn't seen before from different hues and things. I was like, man, my life is starting to look a little bit different. The way I see God is starting to look a little bit different because of her input in my life. Having a solo faith, just you and Jesus rocking life together is super important. I think we all know that. It's important that we have community with our Father, that we abide in Him. But I've also come to learn that having a connected faith brings new levels of richness and color that is different than just walking in our solo faith. I would argue, that there are different ways to get from this place of solo faith to connected faith. That there's lots of different Tarzan vines that can swing you from here to here. But for me, as I reflect on my journey, I realized the main vine that took me from my solo faith to learning how to walk in a connected faith with other believers was this vine of discipleship. And now before you roll your eyes at me because you're like, oh, that word that Christians always use, I want to encourage you of this new perspective and picture that God's been giving me of discipleship. And so hopefully this is something a little bit different than what you've heard before. But if you have never heard of Matthew 28, 19, which I think most of you had, it says this. And if you hit that for me, Steph, it says, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now this passage is often referred to as the Great Commission. The reason for that is it's this command that's given to these 11 guys who are standing there listening to Jesus, but it's also given to people like me who wear wrinkle cream and lost her purse at TJ Maxx a couple weekends ago. You know, people like me who I'm like, really? Am I in the, you wanna, you wanna tag me in for this? And God's like, yes, you. That this commission is for all of us. This command is like, yes, I want you to all be a part of this thing of making disciples and spreading the gospel. But as I kept kind of getting stuck on this word commission, I started thinking, this picture started coming to mind, and the picture was this. When an individual commissions a piece of art, he's putting his money on the line saying, I believe that if I give you this money, the art you're gonna make for me is gonna be worth every penny. It's gonna be beautiful, and it's gonna be breathtaking. And that's what this guy is saying when he commissions a piece of art. 
And I like to think that that's what God is saying to us when he brings us into this commission. That in entrusting us with this great commission to make disciples and have this connected faith with others, God's ponying up his name, he's ponying up his reputation, and he's saying, I have confidence that if you pursue people of all walks of life, believers, unbelievers, and you show them the gospel and you tell them the gospel, that in connection with the Holy Spirit, the result would be humans who are already masterpieces, but they would be transformed from these black and white and muted canvases to these canvases that are radiant and full of color and vibrant and that they would be more alive than they've ever been and they would be in full alignment with their creator. I think this commission is an invitation to put on our painting schmock or smock, whatever that thing's called, and join the Holy Spirit to be a part of connecting our faith with others in order to bring people into new colors and a bright and vibrant life and also receive in our own lives new color and bright and vibrant lives in the process. Now I'd like to break down this word discipleship um, into two pieces that I believe are two key aspects to living this connected faith. And I would say one are is being discipled and then the other one would be discipling. Those are probably the two pieces of discipleship, being discipled and then also discipling. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that game, uh, I think it's called Barrel of Monkeys. Um, if you'd hit that slide for me, Steph, to give a visual. <laughs> um, I don't understand this game. Um, my husband was trying to explain it to me last night and I was like, this sounds weird. But I do remember my grandma had this at her house and I just always thought it was fun to like connect all the monkeys. But basically it's these monkeys who have these arms and you connect one monkey's arms with the other monkeys and they make this, this chain. And the, when we choose to pursue a connected faith and do that through discipleship, both being discipled and discipling others, we become this faith chain of connected men and women. We become this chain of monkeys, I like to think of it. In the scriptures, we get a real life picture of Paul doing this with Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 2.2, if you'd throw that up for me, Steph. He says, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to others, trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In essence, Paul's saying, I've been the monkey ahead of you and I've passed these things down to you and now find monkeys behind you that you can pass this down to. When I was a freshman in high school, uh, my youth group decided to do this backpacking trip, which I think they only did it once, and this was the only time. And uh, it was a three-mile hike into a lake, and I think I was probably a freshman or a sophomore, and I had never done anything like this before, but I was the kind of person who was like, I'll sign up for anything. So I signed up, and I found this like backpacking backpack from a friend that I could borrow, and I didn't know like the rules of backpacking, nor did my family. So I just like had this big backpacking backpack and I filled it with everything I could think of that I might need, like an extra pair of sweats because it might be cold and like all this canned food, <laughs> which is like so heavy. And, uh, 
The best part is I got to the top. That's kind of a spoiler alert, but I make it and realize I'd forgotten the tent poles to the tent I had brought, which was like so ridiculous, but I had an extra pair of pants, so don't worry. Um, but I had packed this thing to the brim. It was probably like 70 pounds. I think I probably only weighed like 100 pounds at the time. So we get to the, the base of this, uh, this hike, and it, I like go, whoa, this is like three miles, but it's like three miles really vertical. And I'm like, but I can do it, because I can do anything. So I put on this like huge pack, and I start going up this trail, and about a mile in, there's like this rock, and I just like sit on this rock, and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't go any further. <laughs> um, the, funny, the even funnier part is, this isn't super funny, but I have scoliosis, so like, like I can't even like carry my purse without my back hurting, so I don't know what I was thinking. This is not the right activity for me, <laughs> but I'm sitting on this rock just like so in distress because I'm like, everybody's way ahead of me. I'm all by myself, and I'm like, there's no way I can make it to this lake, <laughs> and my youth pastor is kind of up ahead, and he turns back, and he sees me, and I'm sure he sees the like distress on my face, and he, he moves back towards me, and I know he was thinking, what was this foolish, like, 14-year-old girl thinking, you know, bringing this huge pack or whatever? But he gets down to me, and he doesn't say anything critical. He just looks at me, and he says, how can I help? And I'm like, I don't know, but I just, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm going to make it to the top. And he just looks at me, and he says, okay, what if I carry some of your pack and you carry some of it? Which like that ended up being like I carried the sleeping bag and he carried like my whole pack. But I said, I think we can do that. I think that will work. And so we slowly made it the next two miles and, you know, tied up my tent with no poles and, uh, and had a great time. But as I was reflecting on that story, I was thinking, man, we are both people in that story there is someone behind you in life who is distressed, who is unsure of life, um, that needs you to, be, to move towards them and say, how can I help you? What does it look like for me to carry some of your burden? But at the same time, we're also the person who needs someone ahead of them who will come back and say, how can I carry your burden? I love that picture because we're both at the same time. And I would say we have so much creativity to pursue what this discipleship thing looks like. We're all in very different seasons of life in this room. And I love that God's not shocked by that, that he knew that when he gave us this commission and said, come be a part of transforming people's lives. He knew that you would be moms with littles. He knew that some of you would be incredibly, you know, out there working women. He knew that some of you would be the kind of women who just want to curl up on the couch and read a book, <laughs> just want to have your tea. He knew all of that. And yet he was like, there's space and a place for all of you in this, in this invitation and in this commission. So moving into discipleship might look different for every single one of you. Being discipled or discipling might look different depending on your season of life. It might look like moving from your kitchen to the living room with a little one strapped to your front, just bringing in a cup of tea. It might look like during your lunch break at work, having an intentional relationship with someone who you work with who maybe doesn't know Jesus and maybe you're discipling them and they don't even know it, but that's what you're doing. It could look so different depending on your season of life. And I love that there's creativity to be had in this. 
I'm not an artist. I actually cringe at any of those like pottery things where you come in and paint things. I'm like, why would I paint, pay to paint something that would look hideous? Like, I just like, I can't handle. That's like so not up my alley. But, but the joy that has permeated my life as I have participated in getting to be someone who paints new colors into other people's lives and being the recipient of someone who others have taken the time to paint colors into my life, I have come to realize that there is truly a beauty and a magic in this word discipleship and in this incredible call that Jesus says to say your solo faith is so important but so is your connected faith. And what does it look like to have both be healthy and thriving? And so what we're gonna do now is you're gonna turn to Table Talk and you have questions on your tables and you're gonna just discuss how much you agree or just totally disagree with me. So enjoy. (laughs) All right, ladies, we are gonna pull it back together. I hope you had a rowdy conversation about discipleship and uh, solo and connected faith. We're gonna move into a panel discussion because I want you to hear from uh, the two monkeys in my life. Uh, Like I've talked about, Laura is my first monkey. Um, Laura has been discipling me for What she thought was only gonna be a couple months has turned into almost eight years. (laughs) And uh, Laura and I have been meeting every month and I think I calculated we've met approximately 85 times. So um, she's seen me cry more than anybody else, including my husband probably. I'm not a huge crier, but I get in that office and it all comes out. And so uh, she's been an incredible person who has spoken truth over me, replaced so many lies. And I truly, it's so fun to sit in her office now, eight years later, because she can often say, when I say something, she'll go, yeah, that's where you're at now. But remember where you were at like three years ago with this? And she can actually be someone who can see kind of the spiritual progress in my life and areas I've been working on. And so it's been a, she's a huge blessing in my life. And then this is Jamie Houck. She's amazing. Jamie was a freshman when I got hired here. And so my very first trip when I got, I got even before I got hired, Brian as a last piece of my application to become the high school youth pastor here was Brian said, hey, we're short a leader for this trip called Mexico, Mission Mexico. Would you come with a hundred plus other people and come build houses with no one you know for a week? And if you do a good job, you'll get the job. So (laughs) I know, no pressure. So I showed up, got on a bus with people I didn't know. And uh, I was Brian's, what did he call me? Special friend. (laughs) Because he he didn't want anyone to know. uh, I was like um, in the process to try and get the job. And I went to Mexico as Brian's special friend, which sounds just creepy now. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know why we chose that wording, but um, Jamie was a freshman and I ended up sitting next to Jamie. And when you go over the border into Mexico, we have to get into 15 passenger vans because you can't take a bus into Mexico. And so I was sitting next to Jamie and Jamie kept saying the whole time, are we in Mexico? Like, are we in Mexico now? Have we crossed the border? And I kept telling her like, I haven't done this trip before, but I think we're gonna know like when we cross the border. I think it'll be really obvious. 
serious to us. And so that's when I met Jamie, uh, got to know her all the way through high school or passed to her all the way through high school. And then she began, turned around and began volunteering with high school. And um, a couple years ago, I'd been discipling someone for a lot, a lot of years. And then her and her husband moved to California. And so for about a year and a half, I kind of just let that sit because I kind of needed to grieve the loss of someone that I'd poured a lot of life into for a long time and felt like, okay, God, it's time for me to disciple someone again. I wanna, I wanna have a monkey under me. And so um, I began praying, who could be that monkey? At the same time, unbeknownst to me, Jamie was praying, who could be a monkey above me? And uh, we co-led a trip this summer in Indonesia and we shared a room and I just felt like, I'm gonna ask her if she wants to be discipled by me. <laughs> I don't know if that's too bold, but I said, Jamie, I know there's no one discipling you. Do you want, I would love to disciple someone. Would you wanna be discipled by me? Take some time to think about it. I won't be offended if you're like, you're not my type. <laughs> and uh, she came back to me a couple weeks later and said, actually, I would love that. I've been praying that someone would disciple me and um, I've been discipling Jamie for a while now. So she is the monkey under me, and I thought it would be cool to just ask questions. The cool thing is Laura has someone over her who disciples her, and Jamie has been discipling a group, the same group of girls for 10 years from when they were in second grade, third grade, to now they're seniors, which is so cool. And so she has been carrying a troop of monkeys with her. <laughs> for the last 10 years. And what's cool is I, would, I wish that one of the, like they could have been here because those senior girls are also discipling middle school girls. So it, I wanted to give that picture of like just what a chain of monkeys can look like and how that can be beneficial. So Steph is gonna ask us some questions um, about what discipleship practically looks like. I'm gonna try to not block all you guys over here. I'll sit off to the side. A little bit. Give them that perfect angle. That's right. <laughs> Work it, Ashley. <clears throat> so, uh, Ashley, you mentioned that with Laura, it was kind of you approaching her to ask if she would disciple you. And with Jamie, it was you approaching her to ask if you could disciple her. So... I'm what's, a pursuer. That's right. That's <laughs> what we're learning about you. But what is what's the, what would you say is... Is there etiquette for that? Does, is the disciplee supposed to approach the discipler? How does, it, how does it work? Yeah, great question. I've never been good with etiquette. So if there is <laughs> etiquette, I probably don't know it. <laughs> but um, I mean, actually, in all credit, Brian is the reason that we got connected because I didn't really know Laura. I'd seen her like twice on the, I think the one week I came to like see what Salem Alliance was before I got hired. She was leading worship and I was like, she looks cool, but that's all I knew of her. Um, she still looks cool. <laughs> and so, I mean, that was probably more in credit to, to Brian, but, um, but yeah, I feel like there isn't, any, there isn't any etiquette, like God's calling us to be in this um, connected faith. And so as you're praying, um, all of us would say at some point we were praying about who should I, who should I be pouring into? Who should be pouring into me? And I feel like if someone comes to mind, like go for it. Uh, I, I know that rejection is really scary and I think we all fear rejection of someone being like, I don't want to be discipled by you or, or whatever. But um, I just think the blessings far outweigh the fear. And I always feel like anytime I make a decision out of fear, it's never the right decision. And so I think just praying about it and if someone's on your heart and mind just saying, I'm gonna have the courage and boldness to ask 
And if they say no, that's okay. You know, it's not a me thing. It might just be a life schedule thing or whatever, but there's no etiquette. It's good. Go Anything you guys it. would add to that? She, she said it all. Good. <laughs> so as you guys have entered into these discipling relationships, would you say, have, have there been any ground rules that you've had to set as these relationships have, be, have begun? What has that looked like? I would say for me, um, setting it up so there's a lot of freedom um, initially. So we're not like committing for the rest of our lives if it doesn't feel like a fit. And so even saying, hey, let's meet together t- twice and see how it goes. And then we can talk about it after that. And so just giving that kind of freedom and safety to it. Um, also for me, I like to kind of articulate what I do bring to the relationship and what I don't bring to the relationship. So knowing myself well enough that I'm not the kind of mentor, discipler who's going to say, hey, let's do life together. Let's hop in the van and go to Costco. I'm going to have you over for dinner once a month. That's not my style. It's not my personality, but it is for other people. And so just being able to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to meet with you once a month in my office and I will be very present with you for that hour or two hours. And that's how I do this. Um, and so just kind of bringing those things to the table up front so we kind of know what the, the expectations are. No. <laughs> Ashley has been discipled by Laura, so that's what yeah, you do. Yeah, I did huh? the same thing. Like, Laura <laughs> gave me boundaries. I was like, this is work. So then I gave the same boundaries to Jamie. There you go. <laughs> and I discipled Jamie similarly to how Laura's discipled me because I've, there's been so much fruit in that, that as I've been able to see how she's, I laugh. I told Laura the other day, I go, sometimes I wish you could watch me because you'll, I'll literally like verbatim say things that you say to me. Like, so tell me what you think God is saying to you. Like, things that she said to me a million times over the year, I find myself saying them to Jamie because they're helpful questions or helpful things. And so it's fun to see how I've learned how to disciple others as I've been discipled. And I've learned how to listen to Holy Spirit on a totally different way as I've watched Laura listen to Holy Spirit for me. So it's fun to see how it's not just this chain of monkeys, but it's this chain of wisdom, you know, that kind of gets passed down on how do we do this well? And Jamie, you don't have to comment on if you use anything I do. (laughs) I definitely use some of the questions you use. But also the way I disciple a group of girls looks different than the way you have discipled me here. Um, So I was able to disciple a group of girls and then individually take them like out for coffee or do fun things like that and use some of the same questions of like, what do you think God's actually saying? Or I don't think that's true in your life. So, yeah. That's helpful. So all of you are pouring into someone or a group of somebodies. Uh, how did you know or how would you say you know you're ready to decide to pour into somebody else? What has that looked like in your life? Um, I would say just a couple different things. First of all, kind of like Jesus, when he is asking us to follow him, he's not asking for perfection, and he's not waiting for you to become all perfect and put together. Um, And so when discipling people, I don't think it's like, I have to become perfect and put together before I share my life with anyone um, or lead anyone else to Jesus or anything like that. Um, But at the same time, there's moments in your life where you are the person that needs to be filled into, poured into, and whether that be like time 
time or energy, like you just don't have the space to do that, so. I would say um, most of us tend to undermine what we have to offer. Um, and so I think I would challenge that here in this room, knowing uh, women's self-talk often mm. is more towards the negative. And so just encouraging you to look at what you do have to offer. Um, I also think there's some discerning questions we can ask ourselves um, that wouldn't necessarily disqualify us, but just more self-awareness questions like, what is my spiritual temperament right now? Where am I at? Um, and just being aware of that, what I bring to the table and what I don't. Also, what are some of my hidden, hidden, hopefully not hidden motives going into this? Um, like for me, yeah, I love to influence people. I even love to fix people. Like, and that's the dark side, right, of, of who I am. And I, I need to know that about myself so that I can check it at the door over and over again. And so just some of those discerning questions, I think, that we get to ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. As you have poured into people, you guys have been all doing this for a while now. What, what have been some of the blessings of choosing to invest time and energy into somebody else? I would say as I have discipled a couple girls over seasons of my life, I've realized that I think oftentimes time is the thing that we're like, I don't know if I have time for that. I don't know what that could look like or whatever. And I've just realized that there is, there's time to meet once a month with someone. And so once I started doing that regularly, I was like, oh, this is, this is not a huge time commitment for me. But also I have like, my favorite part about discipling is I get to be in the joy of watching someone grow in their relationship with Christ. Like I get to be the person to say, remember where you were at like two years ago when you kept saying you couldn't trust God, you couldn't trust God, you couldn't trust God. And now you're like moving across the country and following where God's taking you because you trust God. You know, it's so fun to get to be that voice and that mirror. And that brings me joy. Like I get so excited getting to be a part of someone else's journey and story because oftentimes in our own journey, we always feel like we're like wrestling with the same stuff. And we're in, you know, as much as we've moved, it often feels like it's not as exciting, but it's so much easier to see where someone else is moving and where God's at work. And so it's so, I've just gotten so much joy in my own life from getting to be a part of someone else's spiritual journey and be like, wait, you just said you heard God say that. Like, you're hearing God, you know, and just getting to celebrate that with people. And I think it's fun to champion people. Like, it's fun to get to hold them up on your shoulders and say, like, I got you. And when they're weak, you get to say, I'm praying for you, and I'm in this with you. And uh, I think there's a beauty of that intentionality of saying, like, I am gonna be in this with you for a season. And it's brought a lot of joy to my life. I would agree with that. And I would also say, more than probably anything else I do, it forces me to listen better to God because I do have to check my motives at the, at the door, that I'm not the one with the answers, God is. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's almost like a spiritual discipline that forces my ears to be wider because I don't want to play the part of God even though I do. Does that make sense? Um, so, and sometimes I want her to play the part of God. I'm like, just fix me before I leave. <laughs> and she's like, no. And I'm like, then why am I here? <laughs> it's good. It's good. We have a great relationship. <laughs> 
And I would agree with Ashley. It's so it's such a cool seat, like a front row seat to what God is doing. And it's mm. it's like just this witness of, oh yeah, he does change us. And I know that personally in my own life, but when you get to see it front row in somebody else's life, that's just a, a whole nother testimony and witness. So it's joy. I agree. I agree. <laughs> also, I feel like God doesn't call us to be inwardly focused in um, discipling someone else, like pushes us and grows us and stretches us to be outwardly focused and to be thinking of how you can listen to God for other people. So I agree. That's good. Kind of the flip side of that, you guys were just sharing why it's a blessing to be the discipler, somebody, having somebody that you're pouring into, why, why would you advocate that somebody has somebody, somebody has somebody, that everyone <laughs> has somebody that is pouring into them as well? Mm-hmm. I have a um, Ashley has a lot of wisdom that I don't have. And so mm-hmm. me being able to go to Ashley and be like, I don't get this, or I don't mm-hmm. understand this, she's able to speak truth in my life and able to give me wisdom that I haven't experienced yet. And so just being able to have her speak truth in my life and be like, have a safe space for me to say, I don't understand this. And she's just able to give me a lot of wisdom. Yeah, I get stuck in my own head so easily. So like that, that word mirror, um, I just need that reflection. I need a, a safe place to say things out loud. Um, just uh, recently, a recent mentor, a new one, I'd been praying, like, okay, I feel like I need somebody pouring into me, and I don't really have that right now, and, and you know, you kind of get an idea, idea in your head of what this person's supposed to look like, and um, so just waiting on God for that, and total surprise, an old dude named Roger made an appointment to see me, and I kind of knew Roger, Ends up, he's a retired pastor, sweetest guy, just wanted to hang out with me. And we talked about Jesus for like an hour. Don't tell Roger I called him an old dude, okay, in case you know who he is. Um, (laughs) But after he left, I was, like, I just, I wept because I was like, God, you just, you just answered my prayer. I just needed somebody to have this conversation with me and somebody who doesn't need me necessarily. And so we hang out once a month and it's beautiful. I never would have picked an old dude to be the one pouring into (laughs) right now, but it's awesome. (laughs) I just think too, it's, there is, there is a rawness and an honesty that comes out of me with Laura that probably only Laura and my husband see. Like the safety to be of to to let the ugliness come out to say here's where I'm really at and here's where I'm really struggling and here's where I, selfishness is a big part of what I'm where I'm at to know that I have a safe place to go and process that and to have her listen for me and ask good questions I I always feel like I leave and I'm like okay. Like it's like the, there's healing done and I don't need to keep talking about it. I'm such a verbal processor, but I've come to realize that if I have an intentional space where someone is truly gonna listen and then listen to God for me and then respond, I feel like there's healing done there that I get to continue to walk out, but I don't have to go, okay, I need to go talk to someone else about this. Are you free? You want? Can I tell you what I'm thinking? You know, I've just found that that has been such a safe place for me to process well to where I'm not just this 
person going to everyone and constantly verbally processing everything all the time. It's a good place to get it out and not be this spewing hose all the time. And I think that's healthy. (laughs) And so that has been, I think for me, hugely, you just have to have a safe space to be good, ugly, sad, all of it. I think that word, just that safe place, that safe person is really important and significant um, because it's hard to find those people in our lives. Um, and to, to have somebody that you know you can, can be that raw and open and honest with and to know that you're not gonna find out that somebody else heard what you said yes. to Laura or yes. Jamie's gonna find out that, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but it I didn't start that way. You know, like when I start, like I said, when I started meeting with Laura, I was like, I'm not sharing anything with this chick. Like, I don't know her. You got to earn it. <laughs> and so and I, I was probably really boring. Like our first yeah. year of meetings, just probably like, gosh, this girl is just like so closed off. But I, w- I don't trust people very easily. I'm a pretty guarded person sometimes because I've been hurt. And so I don't, especially other women, I'm not quick to trust other women. And so it took a while for me to get there with Laura. I wouldn't say off the bat, I was like, oh, she's my safe person, <laughs> you know? That took like years of me continually being reminded of, wow, she has never spoke anything over me that's not truth, and that establishing that trust. So that takes time. Ashley, you talked about this a little bit in your talk this morning about um, discipling those who aren't believers, Mm. what would you say is kind of some of the differences between discipling somebody who's a believer and a non-believer and and how has that looked in your lives? Yeah, I think that Matthew passage that we were looking at, um, that's, I mean, that's a call to to bring people into the flock, right? That's a call to go and show and tell who God is and, and to let them be a part of this too. And so um, I wanted to make sure that like, yes, up here on this stage, you're seeing three people who are discipling each other and we're all believers and we're walking life together. And that's so important. But it's also so important that we are discipling people who don't know Jesus, that we are in intentional relationship, that we are those safe people for other people who don't know Jesus. And that as we demonstrate the safety and the love and the care that Jesus has for us to them, that that would draw them to Jesus as well. And so uh, I, I, I mean, we all do. We have such a heart for people who don't know Jesus. And as I was thinking about how do I disciple people in my life who don't know Jesus, I realized I do the exact same thing like that I do with people who know Jesus. I sit there and I say, what's going on? What can I, how's your life going? What can I carry for you? And as it all comes out, I am going, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you have for them? I'm asking the same questions to God that I would ask sitting with Jamie um, as I'm sitting with someone else who doesn't know Jesus. It's the same, they don't know I'm, I don't go like, I'm discipling you. (laughs) They'd be like, what the heck is that? Um, But that's what I'm doing. I'm asking those questions. I'm listening with those same ears to go, God, you love this person who's sitting across from me. What do you want to say to them through me to draw them to you, hopefully, you know? And because I work at a church, there's not like too much mystery usually if I'm a Christian or not. But, um, but I think it's the same process. Like I, it's, it's exactly the same. Uh, I've had the joy of um, discipling a, a, a new believer from not believer at all to like totally sold out. And this is kind of the first time I've had this experience in my life. And I think the biggest thing I've learned about it is to throw out the roadmap. Cause um, she would come up with 
thoughts or questions where I'm like, I know the Jesus answer, and I'd want to like give you know the roadmap answer, and the Holy Spirit would be like, stop. I I have a plan. I have a roadmap for her. Or there'd be like you know habits in her life that I'm like, am I supposed to challenge that? And Holy Spirit would be like, no. And within without a doubt, within like three weeks, she would bring that very thing up that I was thinking, like, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to not do this or not say this or not think this. And so just this sense of like, throw out the roadmap, listen to the Holy Spirit, be present, show up, ask the questions. Um, And it's been like, it's been a like stretching, growing journey for me. It's been awesome. And I would say trust that God knows what he's doing in their lives. I discipled someone for oh, I think it was four years, who wasn't a believer, and I never saw them come to faith. And there was so many times where I would just like, God, like, what? Move in their life. Like, I'm giving my all. I need you to show up. And I just felt like God kept saying, I have you in their life for this season. Keep doing what you're doing. I have a plan for them. And my plan isn't in your timing. My plan is my plan for them. I see them. I'm I'm with them keep doing what you're doing. And so I think sometimes there's that hard because you're like, I want to see the fruit of my time and my investment and my questions. Um, but I think continuing, like you said, to trust, like God knows the map for them. He knows where he's taking them. And you might only be playing a certain part of their journey, um, but it's an important part of their journey because you're being God to them. I feel like with all of your answers, the common theme has been listening to God mm-hmm. as you're as you're figuring out who to ask and mm-hmm. what to do. It's it's listening, mm-hmm. and um, I I just appreciate you guys' honesty with that. That it's not about you don't have to have all the answers. It's just this kind of humble submission. Um, so as we close, I just my last question for you guys is: What would you say to the woman sitting here who's thinking, "I have no idea who I would have in my life mm-hmm. that could pour into me. I I would have no idea how to approach that." Um, and what would you say to the person who's saying, "I have no like nobody would want to receive from me. I don't have anybody in my life that that I could pour into." Mm-hmm. Ashley kind of mentioned this. I knew I wanted to be discipled by someone, and I sat down and I made a list of all the women that I really respected and respected how much wisdom they had. Ashley was top of the list. And I said, okay, Jesus, you, you, you have to have one of them ask me because I'm too scared. And then like not even a month later, she asked me. So I would just say, if you want someone in your life who um, you want to disciple you, pray for it. And I feel like God will open up doors that need to be opened. Also, Ashley was really bold and asked me, and I think that's awesome, too. Yeah, and alongside, uh, as you're praying, then you have kind of eyes to see. So sometimes I just think we don't even know to look, and, you know, with this conversation and with these kinds of prayers, it's just eyes to see who's around me, and what could that mean? And I would say that I know lots of high school girls who would love to be discipled by any of you. So my sales pitch is, and maybe that's something you'd never even think of, you know? Like high school girls, they're crazy, they're weird. Um, They're just smaller versions of you. (laughs) So people are always like, are high schoolers intimidating? I'm like, no, they're just 
me like 10 years ago, you know, like they're just people. Um, but I have so many high school girls who would love to have incredible women like you pouring into them. And I think sometimes we forget that there's just so many options. There's so many people who you are further along in your journey than. Um, as much as you might feel like, but I'm only here and I have so much to grow. Of course you do, we all do. Um, but there's so many people behind you who would probably be so grateful if, if someone like you would say, hey, I'm not perfect and this is where I'm at in my journey, but man, I would love to journey life with you. And just the simplicity of that, I really feel like can be transformational. And so, um, like Laura said, know, know who you are and know what you have to offer and, and, and offer that with confidence. And I feel like anytime I say, okay, God, here's, here's what I got. God takes my meager offerings and makes it a feast. And so, um, offer it out there. That's great. Thank you, guys. It's, Thanks, I love... I love getting to have this visual up here, and uh, I think that's even just seeing what this can look like is valuable for us. So thank you, all three of you, for being here, and Ashley, thank you for listening on behalf of us and sharing what God put on your heart. So as we go, I just want to pray for you guys and bless you with um, just what we've been talking about. So Father, I thank you for uh, this message that you you've spoken to us this morning. I thank you for your heart for discipleship, that we would that we would be poured into and that we would pour out. And what a beautiful design that you created. And so I pray for every woman here that as, as we leave, that we would feel um, encouraged and also challenged and empowered to walk out in, um, in more connected faith, that we would move from trying to do this on our own and, and, and move towards faith that is connected, um, like you, you've created us to live. So thank you for this time together and bless these women as they go. In Jesus' name, amen.